You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 353 episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in lovely St. Paul, Minneapolis, without my usual microphone setup. So I'm doing my best to keep this less hot takes as normal. Coming to you live. Hey, this is Matt, the little guy that's probably the one at the back of your ride trying to not get dropped. Alan in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is Spencer... In Boston, Massachusetts, um, where you guys, I think we, maybe since the last episode, have gotten through some of the most important uh, cycling news of the entire year, if not the decade. Um, it is, it's been hard and fast this week. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of Tour de France talk. There's a lot of, um, you know, just little guy and I riding bikes. Spencer, we wish you were here with us. Yeah, yeah. But... I think most importantly, the the story of all stories is what yeah. you had posted on our Slow Ride Slack. Yeah. I mean, there's, the, there's one underlying thread to all of cycling yeah. this week, and I think we need to tug on it just a little bit. And that, of course, is USA Cycling Nationals uh, on the mountain bike <laughs> side. I know that the world and all our listenership is on the edge of their seats, um, wanting to, to hear the results. And, um, I have some unfortunate news. Uh, there was an incident at, uh, at nationals and, uh, I think, <laughs> I think it needs to be discussed because it's kind of a crappy situation. It's an all timer. It's probably one of the crappiest situations I've ever heard about Spencer. Um, when you brought this to my attention and you said, this is the lead this week, mm-hmm. you were not kidding. This is this is an all timer um, shit sandwich, if you will. Yeah. yeah so uh, let me let me just paint paint a word picture here for you. Imagine you're a competitor at U.S. Mountain Bike Nationals. Imagine you're pretty good. Imagine you're actually leading the race after after however many laps and feeling pretty good about your chances. Okay. Imagine. Yeah. In there. Yeah. The, the the feeling, all your hard work uh-huh. culminating in a, a, a leading ride at the national championships. And then suddenly <laughs> the door is slammed closed. Actually, take that back. The door is slammed open in front of you. Yeah. yeah. And you slam into a porta potty door that is flung open <laughs> as a spectator exits the restroom. That is for some reason uh, opening onto the course at nationals. Yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> this is okay. This is an all timer post on the Cliff Bar, the yeah. Cliff Pro Team Instagram account. Correct. But in short, Russell Finsterwald, who's the current marathon national champion, mm-hmm. is sitting P2. 
P3, P1. He's in a group of three on the, the lead of the cross-country national championships, battling for the Stars and Stripes jersey. As he comes over a climb, <laughs> there's a porta potty on the side of the road, or on the side of the single track, and unbeknownst to the spectator who's relieving themselves, they open the door like you would directly into Russell Finsterwald, <laughs> who gets taken out by a porta potty door and loses his podium spot um, to no fault of his own. He found himself really up Ship Creek without a paddle. Um, this, is, this has to be USA Cycling in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty now, much. Spencer, wouldn't the easy solution be to put the porta potty 180 degrees the other way? Yeah, I mean, if you can't, if let's put it this way, if you <laughs> must put a porta potty on the course, then at least have the door open outside of the course. There are several layers of mistakes here, and uh, I. I don't know. I honestly, I usually have a play, pretty clear idea of who who I would blame for things. And this one, I'm not even sure because it's the course uh, uh, creator should have gotten it. The the operations people should have noticed it. The uh, officials that walk the track prior to approving the course, they should have noticed it. Uh, uh, other racers should have noticed it. Everybody should have noticed it. Um <laughs> You and, know who noticed it? Russell Finsterwald. <laughs> yeah, well, you know who else noticed it was whoever was in there because they had to step over the course tape and go around to get in the thing. And uh, yeah, I uh, just a lot of red flags here. A lot of mismanagement, a lot of balls dropped. And uh, yeah. The Cliff Bar Instagram posts, everyone go to the Cliff Bar pro team page to see this. They actually have a photo of the aftermath of what I believe is a spectator trying to help oh. Finsterwald get back on the bike. Um, all-timer event. I mean, USA Cycling in a nutshell. Uh, and, and someone would be like, I can't believe this is taking the lead. But honestly, how could we not talk about this? I mean, we cannot uh, squirrel this one away. Yeah, it is... Um it is one of those things you never expect to have to report on <laughs> as yeah. a journalist, you know, so, like USA cycling, they knew the tour de France was happening. They knew that all eyes were on Europe and they needed something to bring the attention back around to the good old USA. Um, and you know, I don't know that this was the right way to go about it, but, uh, it's what they apparently did. So let's take that. So thank you, USA cycling for dynamite topic. To mm -hmm. discover like i like i'm stoked on this um let's do get into the next biggest news and that of course is that wout van art the current holder of the slow ride podcast championship belt mm -hmm. wins on the champ du yes. by beating mark cavendish and keeping mark cavendish from uh beating eddie Merckx. i would assume eddie Merckx gave um wout van art a pretty sweet uh finishing bottle there at the end to make mm -hmm. sure that uh the, the, the title stays within Belgium, if you mm -hmm. will. Mm -hmm. But while Van Aert, two straight stages, he also did quite well on the mountains. The best yeah. all-around rider <laughs> at the Tour de France, without a doubt. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, a wonderful sense. to see. But let's also not 
overlook the fact that Mark Cavendish is still Mark Cavendish with the greatest tantrum that we have seen in bike racing in a while since the Chris Horner bike throw so so many years ago. I got to say, um, I was uh, out of town um, on a little mini vacation the last few days and uh, just trying to follow along on the slow ride uh, Twitter account with what, uh, what was going on. I felt a little, a little, um, bipolar on the Cavendish. Uh, you know, one, one day it was like Cavendish greatest interviews ever. The next day it was Cavendish <laughs> biggest jerk you've ever seen. And then it was back to Cav hilarious in this and that. And then it was Cav hates mechanics. We all hate Cav. What's going on? It's a little bit like Cav himself. Uh, one minute he's <laughs> he's he's touting uh, Mariana Voss as the greatest cyclist of all time, and the next minute mm-hmm. uh, he's twelve years old and uh, yelling at somebody. He, we should say he did apologize, and that's nice that he did that, whether or not he was forced to or not. But uh, well, well he Cav. does race for. Quick step, so I'm pretty sure Quick Step did not force him to yeah, uh, no, apologize. That's, that's a good <laughs> point. It's just like totally acceptable behavior. Totally acceptable. Yeah. yeah. I, I would um, also say that under I, you I, and that mechanic deserved it. We have seen several uh forced apologies uh recently in the Pro Tour Peloton, and uh this one did not seem like it was written by the marketing team. Do you think yes. yeah, I, agreed? Do you think that I don't think that the tweet that I put out there about the greatest trick Mark Cavendish ever pulled was convincing the world he wasn't Mark Cavendish mm-hmm. was inherently negative towards Mark Cavendish. It's more just that we were all embracing this side that Mark Cavendish had matured, that Mark Cavendish had become, you mm-hmm. know, a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I ever bought into that. I, I love this Mark Cavendish because it gives me something to talk about. Um, it makes it exciting. Yeah, I I think he has matured, but he's still a human being. People freak out. Yeah, Mark Cavendish maybe freaks out a little more uh, man baby like than uh, some of us uh, hope we would in that situation. Though I'm not there in the tour. Uh, Spencer will remember clearly when I got pulled from uh, from uh, Jingle Cross one year in the UCI race, having maybe my best race ever. I got pulled uh, by mistake because the official was like pointing at other people and not pointing at me people i guess i was hypothetically lapping somebody i don't even know i freaked out and threw my bike like a big man baby you know so it it happens i i felt stupid about that but you know we all do it i think it's the fact that some people act like mark cavendish has no reason to apologize for that which he very much had a reason to apologize for that you know and uh but that's life right Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm I, I would say that all of this combined, I'm more than okay than Wout Van, that Wout Van Aert won today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, it, it, it keeps, I mean, it adds, we get to have a whole year now of wondering, will Cav show up next mm-hmm. year? Will he keep racing? Will he be able to take the I, record then? And I think that is I, probably better for the uh, English-speaking <laughs> journos out there oh, than for sure. if he had won it. I mean, then it's, boom, you write the one story, it's over. Now we've got... We've got twelve months. I have, I have um, a thought, and and my thought about Cav not breaking the jersey uh, or the uh, the the um, record um, this this year is mm-hmm. is that it's 
the best possible outcome for Mark Cavendish. Totally. Really? I, I'd like to hear more. I think you're this right. Theory. Now, explain. as we all know, this is a contract year uh, for Mark Cavendish. He signed a one-year contract. Um, if he achieves a green jersey victory and breaks a record and everything all in the one year, then what's he going to do next year? Nothing. Yeah. Um, this way, he keeps him on the hook. Oh, says, yeah. I, I can do, I can do a lot of stuff, but I still got more to prove. Ah, so I'm okay. not going to phone yeah. it in next year. Uh, you should uh, keep okay. me yeah. because you know how many photos uh, and book covers and magazines and uh, mm-hmm. uh, biographies on Netflix are going to be made about breaking the record. Who's totally. uh, who's who's going to want their jersey uh, represented on all those uh, media pieces? Let's oh, find yeah. out. You're right. If he had won it, I think I, I think you're right. The, the only logical answer would be retire. The fact that he didn't yeah. win today, he got third in the sprint, just means he's going to get six figures next year <laughs> to get oh, that sure. one win. To get that one win. So like, it it worked out from him. Mm-hmm. For him. For the, him. For him. This is I, an interesting take. Yeah. I would say that I'm I'm more concerned that anybody that's rational will be able to sit back and go. Wow, Matthew Vanderpool is going to be in the race next year. Nasir <laughs> Buhani may have finished. Like yeah. all of the top sprinters in the world are going to be there. He only needs one to take him on. He got four wins. Sam, Sam Bennett. I mean, there are people we, that are going to be able to beat him next year, and he's going to be one year older. Um, yeah, well, I'm sorry. Right. The sun, the sun has set oh, on the Mark Cavendish beating. No, you got to try it, man. Eddie Merckx. No, I am just going to. I'm just going to. I feel like I've heard him. that exact quote yeah, at the end yeah. of last season. <laughs> and uh, it certainly was not true. Um, I feel like the, uh, I, don't, I, I feel like you'll probably just uh, re-up on Quick Step, but I feel mm. like the Bora Hansgrohe's of the world and the EF uh, teams of the world would eat that publicity up. They know how to do it. Even Ineos might be willing to uh, to bite on oh, that yeah. story. So, well, Do I you think, think the big ass is going to the big ass wants. That. Well, here's the other thing. Here's the mm-hmm. thing though. He did also just win the green jersey again. Okay. Right? So like it wasn't I, a a horrible tour for no, him. No, I'd like to say something about that. I they got to they got to adjust the green jersey points because if it's supposed to be for just the rider who's most consistently up there, Wout van Aert should have won the green jersey. He won you, a mountain. Are you saying the green jersey is pointless? Yes, I am saying it's pointless. A sprinter's jersey is silly. Like, they have stages, and that's the only thing that really matters to them. Wout should have the green jersey. He won in three completely different disciplines. He won on a mountain. Mm-hmm. He won a time trial. He won a sprint. That that should count. That should be the green jersey. The green jersey should be the rider that can show the most, like, range. That's my argument. I mean, it has been. It just sort of depends on how things shake out, you know? Like... Yeah. We've seen the pure sprinters win it, but we've also seen the uh, the the Sagan and Torhuschwald, uh, you know, ranging attacks, you know, marches for points, um, which are pretty rad. Um, but yeah, just uh, it doesn't always shake out that way. I th- I, I I hear what you're saying um, because I have a f- similar thought that the polka dot jersey is severely broken, um, and the, that competition is completely pointless at this point like we had a thrilling race there for a minute we had a good one this year we had a really good one 
one of the better and then, ones. And then the third week, everyone was like, this is going to be the race to watch. Articles were written. I saw it all over. Yeah, cycling true. news, cycling tips, Velo news, um, all the other American uh, uh, publications that have the same writers. Um, they, uh, <laughs> they all wrote the article about how the third week of the tour was the only thing to watch was a polka dot Jersey. And then poker card just wins two stages and just destroys everyone. And the, there was no, there was no battle for the polka dot Jersey at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, maybe they should, maybe they should flip the points and make them higher on like cat fours. So all the, like all the, like, uh, little French teams, like, uh, you know, send riders <laughs> in the break and, and yep. get it. And it will basically be, be a most aggressive rider Jersey at that point. But I mean, the way we had the polka dot Jersey, I feel like in the first week, the first week is usually like mm-hmm. that. And it was like that in this, we had just like scrappy yeah. riders fighting for it. And everybody, except for the most casual fan knows those guys have no chance of having it, but it's fun. Like it's super yeah. exciting to see how pumped they are. Like, they're in the jersey for a day or they're in the jersey on the road and they're just like overjoyed if right. nothing else because they know they just pocketed like a thousand dollars or something <laughs> yeah know? it's great it's it's all they get you know and it's yeah. a story to tell forever and yeah all that stuff um i i think you could make a um an argument that pretty much all the competitions are broken if uh, at the end of the race the same guy's got all the jerseys. Yeah. Well, it might just but, be that that one guy is unbelievably good. I mean, we've barely even mentioned it because it felt almost... But they're supposed to be different competitions. Well, they are, but at the same time, he's out there. It's not like he, he can avoid getting the points if he's winning two mountaintop stages, putting five minutes into the next guy, right? Before we're 18 minutes into this podcast without mentioning Pogacars by name mm-hmm. um, for cleaning up, Let's do give a shout out to, I believe, Alejandro Valverde for winning the Slow Ride Podcast gray jersey um, for the top 35 plus rider um, in the field coming in in about, uh, what was he, 24th place, only one hour and seven minutes down. Congratulations to the oldest man in the race for continuing to show people how it's done for being 35 plus. Um, and then if we're going to roll into it, uh, Pogacar looked completely unbeatable. Um, I am afraid that this is just the start of many of another run of a Chris Froome-esque tour. Um, I would ask that, gentlemen, are you know are we are we now into another five or six year reign of a rider, and we're going to look back at a Garrett Thomas win the way that we lust for a Cadell Evans Carlos Sastra mm. um, Tour de France yes. victory. Transitional, yes. They seem like they he was here to stay. Yeah, yeah, we might. He is not a he is not a transitional champion, as they would say. I think Pokakar is here to stay. Well, I mean, he's what twenty two. I mean, all likelihood he could win for the next decade. But also, riders fizzle out. You know, some riders that are really good young. I like to say Cunego every time. Twenty six, boom, <laughs> downhill. <laughs> Dope free. Yeah. Um. The other thing, uh, Spencer, mm-hmm. the Tour de France, we we have a we have a soft spot in our heart for that for the Tour de France for the race, but let's be honest, it's really not about what's happening about the field art, the tractors going across the field, the horses running along the peloton. In reality, what we we are really excited for is a good old fashioned hotel raid. Uh. 
it's been a while since we've had one of these and, uh, boy, I thought we were going to get another tour just without. And, um, luckily though, uh, 50, <laughs> uh, um, ununiformed or plainclothes, uh, officers stormed the brain victorious hotel and, uh, apparently took a bunch of training records and, and other junk. Um, what, I mean, there's a lot of wild things we could talk about, um, with this all going down, um, including victory celebrations and, uh, so forth and so on. But what I think is maybe the most interesting, uh, bullet point I saw about this raid was that movie star was staying in the same hotel and they did not get raided. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they, the, the French police have been paying attention to movie stars performances and they saw no reason yeah. to suspect anything. <laughs> What you mean the the old dog still got still got it though I, he knows how to hide the boat. I guess I feel like if they raided him <laughs> and we haven't heard anything, it's this is going to go the way of the the Nairo raid last year, right? Do we Wait, ever yeah, hear what anything? Raid? Yeah, right. Whoa. Exactly. What, Ny- Nairo's hotel was raided. Yeah, yeah. We never heard anything huh. ever again, and I feel like yep. it's going to be more of the same. I mean, if if have if you it's heard not, about Nairo since? <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, I agree. Nairo does point. feel like maybe he's dipped a little, so maybe the so Bahrain team will uh, dip in performance. But I just I'm bothered by these raids because it's like, why does it happen, and then we get nothing, and then there'll be some sort of very like formulaic thing. In two years, it'll get dismissed, and then it's just suspicion around a team. I am no fan of Bahrain Merida, especially their sponsor. But um, you know, it's like. It just well, feels, it's it feels guys, like it's, it's, it's a little show of force, right? It's kind of yeah, like all but, the cops show up on uh, Como Avenue because they're going to be pulling over all the people going to the University of Minnesota. Yeah, you yeah. know, like you got to show some for force. You got to you got to ra- you got to rattle the saber. You got to rattle the saber, and then Morich decides to not hide anymore Morich and comes across the, the line with a classic Lance Armstrong zip the lips. Mm-hmm. Shush the fans, shush the the doping authorities with the worst victory salute of all time. Um, <laughs> this poor guy, I think, just nailed his career in a coffin. I mean, the only team that's going to hire him after Bahrain Merida is clearly going to be Quick Step, um, doing doing oh, what that, he could. <laughs> I think Moritz is doing probably just fine. There's plenty of shady teams that will want to hire him, and he did just win two two stages at the tour, so. Okay, so Spencer, do you want to talk about more or do you want to get to the next pressing thing that's on my list? No, I mean, uh, I think you guys covered it. Um, I'm, so, I saw, I saw, I did see a lot of um, speculation on Twitter that we might be far enough away from that Lance Armstrong era that the kids these days don't even know kids that these that, days. yeah, yeah, the yeah. the connotations of that that celebration. Um, which is interesting, but at the same time, I'll, well, I don't think I'm going to give you a free pass on that one. But uh, that, yeah, that definitely not give a, little, a free pass. I mean, maybe but, lost in translation. I don't know. Yeah, Can I you know who else about? I'm not giving a free pass to? What? Uh, Spencer. Who's that? Little guy. Oh. For claiming on this very podcast one week ago yeah, today, I know that yeah. Rigoberto Uran was going to be a guaranteed podium spot. I know. In the Tammy. Tour de France. I, I would That's... like to apologize right now to Rigo, the whole EF 
uh, education Nippo team. I I obviously have a little taste of the Timmy curse uh, on my hands here. Uh, Riggle obviously eventually cracked pretty bad, finished 18 minutes down in 10th place overall. Sorry, Riggle, I did not mean to do that to you. Uh, what can I say? Um, better luck next year. I will not say anything about you in your next grand tour. <laughs> so, uh, though I would like to say a big uh, congratulations to uh, Richard Carapaz in third place and Jonas Vingard in second place. Not trying to mm-hmm. curse you. Really good job, uh, you guys. For sure, solid job. And little guy, I appreciate you taking that one on the chin for cursing Rigoberto Uran um, yeah, from I, his guaranteed podium spot that you claimed. I mean, you are so solid in this. I, I don't want to get you off uh, t- t- get get you off the hook too easily for how much you you super rookie <laughs> guaranteed. Well, a. Let me, a podium spot let me defend my logic on this. Uh, there was many stages before that where Polgar would go. Only people that could follow were Vingard, who could actually occasionally attack, Carapaz, and, and Iran. The rest of that top ten, they were always left in the dust. I saw no reason. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> hey, man, he's got it. Um, but tables turn. Uh, O'Connor moved up, and uh, you know some guys recovered a little bit. Riggo cracked. What can you do? Well... Much it's like pretty me. cool to see Enric Mass carry on the the glory and hope for Spain in a solid sixth place finish, and major props to Wout Poles for winning sixteenth place of little guy's yeah. favorite team, Baran Victorious. Um, yeah, little guy. The other big news <laughs> is that it looks like you are now in the market for coaching. You know, I. I was thinking about it this week. Uh, we've done a couple rides, Timmy. We did one big ride. Um, with uh, dropped you a few times. He dropped me a few times. Yeah, I was. I the road had to get pretty steep for me to make any difference. Many inroads into you. Otherwise, I was usually in trouble. So I was thinking I should pick up a coach. And then lo and behold, uh, EF does this big drop. They are now offering coaching services, and you can be coached by none other than. Have your pick of three legends. TJ Van Garderen, Mitch oh. Docker. Ooh, who would be better than him? Ooh, or Mitch Docker. Lachlan. Um, now, oh. I feel like. Who to choose from? I don't know. This is well, Mitch Docker. Okay. Hang on. Now, I'm going to have to check the Slow Ride podcast coffers, but I'm imagining we can afford all three. And if we can, <laughs> no, I don't think we can. who's going with who? Because we can only each Ooh, be coached okay. by one. We each get one. Okay. That's a, this is good. Well, I, like this. I mean, I think I know. Clearly is Lachlan, yeah. right? I, I think I think little guy has to go with Lachlan, yeah. Yeah, that probably right. makes the most sense. So who's taking one for the team between me and you, Spencer? Well, here, here's, the... here's my logic. Uh, Spencer, you get TJ. Um, Tim, you're really? going to get Mitch because, Tim, we know you're going to be tucking into way more beers anyway, and you know that Mitch is going to work those beers into the training program. He's not going to miss a beat. <laughs> like with, with TJ, you're going to be like having sneaking beers behind his back. Uh, with Mitch, he'll be like, man, make sure to have one beer a night, Timmy. And he'll have it laid out. Like he'll have it on nights like, when you should have I feel a like sour, I would disappoint. IPA. Like he'll, he'll work out a schedule intervals and beer intervals to mm-hmm. maximize each other. I feel like I would really be disappointing to TJ. Like I feel like he yeah, would yeah. stop coaching if I was his client. You know what I mean? Like I think just we like, all ah. would. I think we all would. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, for Lachlan, I could be like, most of my training miles would be on a cargo bike with a kid. And he'll be like, I get it. I totally understand. You're riding to the beach, right? I'll work in some beach intervals, you know? Um, 
Spencer, I don't know how you or t- and TJ are going to connect. What do you think you I, I mean, guys will Well, neither so. of them are going to be riding a bike, so it's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> and really, what I'm going to be doing is um, I'm going to be picking his brain for all the tips and tricks that I'm going to need to be able to continue to destroy little guy in arm wrestling contests, yeah. just as TJ Van Goderen has been doing for years on this podcast. Uh. That's a good point. That, that's a pretty good um, idea. In all seriousness, I, I, I do think any three of them would be probably. It would just be fun to have any three of them as a coach. Truthfully, well, sure, but I, I would say that um, That'd be fine. I'd be Spencer's going to be pretty awesome talking to TJ, where they could both complain about r- road conditions and like rides. Like, oh, Tim and Tim and little guy want to go on a ride, and there's a brick road for a block. It's been, you know, and TJ would be like, you know, Spencer, I I think you and I are into this. We need pristine. Um, asphalt. We are in this for like really good mountain bike trails. Like this, this could be really good. Spencer, your response? I uh, I think that's. There's no reason to rebut that because okay. it's asinine. <laughs> that's TJ's. TJ's listening right now and being like, "Yeah, that's right." He's like, "I like this Spencer guy. I like this Spencer guy. He's not taking the guff." Um, Spencer, we uh. Uh, we, we went on a ride out to Afton and we were thinking of you the whole way. Cause we get out there, we go to Bjorn Sealander's, uh, you know, uh, ice cream shop there at the bottom. Oh yeah. And, uh, um, he said that he had listened to the podcast once, but, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you could really place Did us he... without, without you there. I wish that you were along for the ride was, where the three he... of us could, could have some fun. Was he wearing his white jersey from the Giro d'Italia when he said that? Surprisingly, no. He doesn't just. It seems like he doesn't just wear it every day. But I, I will say this: weird. I started the conversation. I so I, I get to the coffee window. Uh-huh. And I, hey, uh, hi, welcome. You know, uh, Velo du Nord. How can I help you? And I go, Hey, Bjorn, what year did you win the white jersey at the Tour de France or at the Giro? And he's like, 2011. Like so quick. Like he yeah, remembered right away, like 2011. How That's wild. Yeah. So, Can't believe he could remember that. I don't that. think you'd forget when you won the best <laughs> no. young rider jersey at the Grand Tour. Well, he didn't win it. Yeah, I think he wore, wore it. For a few he wore it. Yeah. Yeah. He wore it. Um, so, yeah, I. It was great to see him. Yeah. But, Spencer, like, we could have used you there because I will admit, I. I needed a, a full cafe stop. The the twenty minute stop was not enough. Like I could have used mm-hmm. another like ten fifteen minutes. Because when you're there, for anybody that's ever ridden out in Afton, it's a giant climb on the way out. So it does not get better. No. No. And uh, and of course, you know, little guy's gonna attack you up that climb on the way out. So you know, that's just I, how it goes. I, I it wasn't in the legs this year. I got to admit, I uh, I tried to play it cool because I was definitely the one of our uh, uh, five-man ride getting dropped on the way through into St. Paul back into Minneapolis on the hills. So it was good. I tried to I, – I was trying to hide well, in the back on the way home pretty thoroughly. So much more to discuss. I think we should check in with our 2021 Tour de France second-place green jersey winner, Michael Matthews, to see how things went down in Paris on the final stage. In this week's Primark. Here is Matthew Vanderpool, and I don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast. All 
All right, guys, here we are in the Premlap. I'd like to thank all of the members, supporters, and listeners of the Slow Ride podcast. We will get to this outside the Premlap, but supporting independent cycling media is now more important than ever. <laughs> so head over to slow uh, head over to wideanglepodium.com to find out how you can support a bevy of cycling content that is not beholden to the man. Independent, giving you the opinions that matter. We've got Criterium Nation reporting live currently from the Intelligentsia Cup in Chicago. We have Grodio featuring Amanda Nauman, who just slayed the Unbound Gravel 350XL. We also have Bill Scheichen, Michael Bodenheimer, and Zach Schuster of CX Hairs Radio bringing you all of the content that you need for cyclocross and UCI mountain bike Olympic coverage. Check it out. Wideanglepodium.com. Find all the shows and please support us to allow us to stay on the air so we don't have to sell out to Outside Magazine. If that is not enough content for you, if, if the tour is over and you're feeling a six-hour hole in your morning that you need to fill with cycling content, and all of the podcasts that Tim just mentioned, along with the others on the network, like uh, Nowhere Fast, and, and there's there's just so many. You need to go check it out. But if that's not enough, you can also go to YouTube and uh, subscribe to the Wide Angle Podium channel on YouTube and find all kinds of great cycling content there. Also, independent and uh, and and grassroots style but uh, we are putting out as much content as we can and we have plans to continue to put out more and more and uh, if you could uh, support the network in general or at least subscribe to the YouTube uh, it helps us to be able to achieve those dreams and bring you guys even better content let's get back to the show everybody and uh yeah enjoy your story podcast all right guys here we are we're back at the show so much to discuss uh first major shout out to um friend of the pod colby large who did just email us right before we started the show saying well how long does wout get the belt after that victory if he wins gold in Tokyo, I vote him honorary slow ride belt champ for the rest of 2021. Gentlemen, Wow Van Art has to be the favorite going into Tokyo, correct? Uh, well, I don't know. It's pretty hilly, and I know he's good, but I don't know. If, I think he's you know he's more of a breakaway hilly stage kind of guy. I don't know if he can go head to head with the Poga Chargers of the world. Wow. Um, I did not expect that take. Uh, I <laughs> so I was uh, I was in a cabin in the woods uh, for a few days earlier this week uh, with a with a good friend of um, of mine and, and of all of yours. Actually, you guys have met him, uh, Liam, um, who lives out yeah. here and he is of Irish heritage and he has some strong opinions about uh, Dan Martin. Uh, doing well in Tokyo. I guess he's hmm. found a way to ride for Ireland um, in the in the uh, in, in the Olympics. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a dual citizenship situation. I'm not sure. He is my favorite American cyclist, so I he don't know have how that works. But could could Dan Martin be 
A dark horse. He could be. He, d- yeah. he does have um, two uh, junior Americans riding for him, Eddie Dunbar and Nicholas Roach. Um, so pr- solid, solid shout. I still think Wild Van Art won at Torino Adriatico, which is a pretty hilly race. Um, I know it doesn't yeah. have Mount Fuji, which many of us uh, yeah. know about from various uh, arcade driving games. Um, I don't think any of us have ever ridden it, but it's going to be pretty cool to see. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to continue any I, unnecessary stereotypes, but Liam may have been drunk when he's, I, <laughs> I will say Bauke Malima could be pretty good here because he has won the Japan cup multiple times. He has shown the type yeah. of, um, you craftiness Ooh. to beat Michael Woods by claiming one more lap to go when there wasn't one more lap to go a few years ago. Um, Balgi Mal- well, Malima might be a uh, solid pick here, gentlemen. Is is this the key to the Olympic road race for Canada to make sure that they are aware of how many laps are left in the race at all times and that they are communicating this very important. effectively? This is very important. I think that's probably key to all the teams, but maybe specifically Canada. <laughs> I think the interesting thing in Tokyo will be we'll find out who was just training at the tour because Dan Martin mm-hmm. was pretty anonymous. He popped up on one break day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fool Slang, very anonymous. And very anonymous. He is a guy and, who could go very yeah. well in this race on paper um, and should generally I, do something at the tour and was just are you like guys invisible. At shocked at all that Morich is not a starter or not racing at the Olympics for Slovenia. Um, How many riders? They have they four. They have Primoz Roglic, Pogacar, yeah. Jan Tretnik, and Jan Polek. Yeah. Um, you would think winning a few yeah, stages at the it. Tour de France might put you over the, uh, the limit to uh, take win, but maybe it's a different limit that's being measured by the Slovenians. They also they also might have decided who was going to the Olympics like a month ago. Yeah, think maybe they'd make that a little bit of liquid um, to uh, to change um, some things <laughs> around. But I mean... Uh, Morik's thing is he only, he literally, he has all those gears on his bike, but he never actually gets out of the 55-12. <laughs> and so the mountain will be a little difficult for him, even though, I mean, you guys saw when he attacked in that second win of his. He mm-hmm. looked like he was, he looked weird because everybody else is spinning these high cadences and he was doing like 60 rpms in um, this massive massive year. multiple friends of the pod are on the race uh start list we have tom schoons of latvia and longtime friend of the pod dan craven of namibia and i know dan craven he has been, uh oh is he dropped out he's not he's not gonna be there he's not gonna be there oh no he's got covid i think oh. doesn't he is that yeah yeah, he just got yeah, a positive he, test. Yeah. Oh no, he had a positive COVID. I'm so test. bummed yeah, to hear that because I know he's been. Wife or partner was on Twitter very much uh, upset about the um, vaccination program um, uh, around them. Yeah, now. Namibia's uh, behind schedule pretty badly. Wherever they um, were, so. I think they're in Spain. And it, wherever they w- are based, they were having some trouble getting vaccinated in time. Oh no, I'm so not happened. So I believe he is going to miss. I'm it. so bummed to hear that breaking news here on the Slow Ride Podcast. Um, and for Dan Craven, who was arguably the greatest story coming out of the 2016 Olympics when he did both the road race and a last-minute start in the time trial on the Eddie Merckx-style um, bike and yeah. sat on the hot seat for a little while. And, Didn't get last. <laughs> and and live-tweeted it from yeah. the race. 
Oh, it's true. He tweeted it while he was doing it, and that's. I mean, not many writers can do that. You know, so bummed yeah. um, to hear that. The Olympics coming around the corner. Um, obviously, I will enjoy watching it. I love watching the BMX. I'm stoked about the BMX park. We've talked about this before, but if you have a moment, please watch the women's BMX park. Um, Hannah Roberts is head and shoulders above all in that category. Tail whips, full 360s off of the spine. It's fantastic to see um, on the BMX kind of park edition now in Olympic sport. And then obviously the track, um, always great to see. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very scared about a giant COVID outbreak, but I hope it's just fun and games. We'll see. Team contract year. Hey, guys. Off the back of recent discussions of how to make the tour better, I had the following idea. Introducing team contract year. A wild card team made up of entirely ride of riders who contracts expire oh. at the end of the season and who weren't selected by the I current team this. for the tour. So the key is weren't selected for the current team of the tour. It'd be an opportunity for them to ride in the biggest race of the year, show off their skills, and generally be a thorn in everyone's side. There's currently 200 riders up for contract, plenty of which aren't riding the tour and who could make a formidable team. I appreciate there's various realities that stand in the way of this, but cast those aside. (laughs) Just think of how nuts an entire team on a contract year could be. And it doesn't stop there. The disruptive nature of the team could make for amazing kits, bonkers sponsorship opportunities, and plenty of interesting storylines. Every day, commentators would be discussing the mercenary tactics of team contract year. If they're going to stab their current team in the back, or who on earth would sign these riders? Perhaps Vauders. This could be accompanied by team retirement. In a similar format, riders retiring would miss out on the tourist selection, such as legend Mitch Docker, could ride the tour in what would be an absolute party of a team. More of a swan song than a realistic threat, (laughs) but for the daily prospect of can the old dog still win a stage, surely this team will bring some excitement to the racing, if not a tear to the eye. I look forward to hearing who you guys pick for the various teams. Keep up the good potting, (laughs) Andy P. Gentlemen. I... I love this idea. Riders outside um, of a contract yeah. for next season that were not mm-hmm. in the tour. First off mm-hmm. was Kristoff in the tour. Alexander Kristoff. No. No. Solid no. member. Dan Martin mm-hmm. was in the tour this year. He was. But John Dakenkolb was not. Mm-hmm. Solid. Mm-hmm. Domenico so. Pozovivo. Also could be solid at 38 years old. He could also be team retirement. He might be retired. He, he could have took the, uh, the gray jersey if he'd have been riding. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the one, the one tweak that I would make to this idea, I love this idea. I think, I think this idea has legs. I don't know logistically how you get the mechanics and the team bus and all this stuff, but that's somebody else's problem. Um, what I would tweak is team retirement. I don't think they can be in the race. I think team retirement is definitely going to have to do a Lachlan Morton style (laughs) bike packing trip along, whether it's a day in front or a day or a week behind. They can't do the full Lachlan the whole way. Yeah. They can't do the full Lachlan. Like we're riding the transfer stages and stuff because that's, we're going to kill some old men. 
That's not <laughs> that's not what anybody wants to see. It's not that um, old. Younger than us, probably. Shh, little guy. Um, but uh, they, you know, they ride ahead. They're they're doing their camping thing. They're doing the bike packing. It's it's a transition into their next of phase of of bike life. Uh, yeah. Coaching. It, solid idea. Um, I do think that team contract year could be a ton of fun to really just, mm-hmm. you know, get Vodders drooling at the results every single day. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, like you could gear this entire team to Vodders. Think of the infighting on the team too. Like that's the best part. Like, like who's the team leader? Are they all going to work together? Like, well, there's a lot of like, yeah, they're yeah. not. No, but you know there'd be weird deals. Like, if you showed up with a sprinter and you're not much of a sprinter, you're like, dude, I'll help you, but obviously I come in the deep. Out of contract you know I mean? next year, you got to get me out of yeah, contract. Got to get me over. Mikel Landa, like throw him on the team. That would just be exciting. Yeah, right? there you go. That'd be fun. Rohan Dennis. I mean, he'd that, probably that's have more synergy guaranteed than any fireworks. Other team he's been Rohan on. Dennis? Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put, put him in that. Put him in so that. I'm, put I'm, him in that race with a BMC. <laughs> Who knows what happens? I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited about the riders, but I'm also excited about the sponsorship opportunities, uh, as was brought up by Andy in this email. Um, because think about it. think of uh, place yourself in the mind. Of a of a CEO of some startup or small company or something, and mm-hmm. you love cycling or whatever, it's your passion. You can't afford to sponsor a world yeah. tour team. Mm. You you don't have a billion dollars like Ineos or whatever. But for the low low price of I don't know whatever a couple grand, <laughs> you can get in to just the biggest race of the year. But only one race. Yeah. But it's just the biggest three weeks of the cycling calendar. Like all the rest of the calendar almost doesn't matter if one of your contract year guys does something cool. Well, this is obviously a cool idea, so it's going to have to get done in the Volta first. We're going to have to test it out <laughs> in the Volta for yeah, a couple years. That's true. And we'll see how it plays, and then we'll um, we'll roll it into the tour. Oh, I'm stoked. I like this idea. It has some likes. Um, major props to Andy for, uh, for sharing this idea with us. Um. Gentlemen, let's get into a sad moment. Little guy, if in post, you could put in a funeral dirge right around now of the, the death of independent cycling media. Um, because okay. outside, <clears throat> formerly known as Pocket Media, which purchased Outside Magazine, took on the outside name, owners of Cycling Tips, now, now Cycling Tips and Pink Bikes, they just bought, they just bought and Trail Forks. They also own Velo News, Peloton, Bicycle Retailer, Beta. Um, anything else I'm missing, Spencer? Uh, there's yeah. a few others. Velo, yeah. Velo Press. Cycling. Like yeah. Triathlete Magazine. Cycling specific. Yeah. Um, Yoga Journal or something. So basically now, one company owns like 70% of cycling media. Um, this company... A little guy, you did a deep dive into the venture capital firms behind this company. I did a little research. Uh, the Specialized, uh, like a like a VC firm that is just funded by Specialized, um, is one of the big hmm. investors in it. That seems like a bit of a conflict of interest, but you know, um, one of them uh, is called Next or something. Uh, VC uh, there, uh, some guy named Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Uh, is one of their main guys, and that 
There's nothing weird about that guy having yep. a bunch of money. I thought he was supposed <laughs> to be poor by now. Um, the best thing about Lance's VC firm is that it's stocked full of old heavy hitters from Nike uh, from a few years ago. Oh. So you can tell that all that cheating didn't really pay off for him since he's not friends with the high-up executives that helped him cheat. Oh, wait, no, he is. And now they're helping him invest his ill-gotten gains in cycling media. So cool. It's great. And then some other venture capital firms that um, uh, mostly sponsor things with AI and robots and robots and AI and mental health. So like nightmare horror movie, uh, dystopian so, future stuff. So Spencer. So sweet. You, uh, super good. Yeah. So, Spencer, you're the one with the most experience in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. From your time at what we thought was the laughable magazine, Cycle Sport America. Is this the opportunity for yeah. Cycle Sport America to be reborn? Yeah. To take on the the evil empire. I mean, I don't even like. I don't think it's evil yet, but oh, everybody's you know, all of cycling media well, the, is owned by the, the same dominoes team. are all yeah. set up. Like everything's yeah. owned by the same person. Yeah, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the pod before, but Cycle Sport America was simply the IP of Cycle Sport. Magazine, I guess, in the UK. Not a lot or, of bylines. I think it was in the UK. Magazine. Well, see, the reason for that is because Psychosport America bought all the IP, brought it over, and then stripped out all the advertising, <laughs> sold new American advertising, and then took out basically all the U's in all the words, like flavor and, and things like that, um, color. That the uh, mm. that the Brits spelled a little weird. We tweaked that. Capitalized being the yeah. We ch- yeah they spell capitalized different. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, that's we definitely that one was a big one. Yeah, that was a big red yeah, flag. That's, big um, that's how you know. You British. know, we had to change words like crisps and and uh, fish and chips and all like take out all those things and then Americaize it into burgers and fries and whatnot mm-hmm. and um, Free, and then resell it. Um, to the public, and because we changed everything, um, we just had to take out all the uh, all the bylines. So you know, if somebody wanted to start a magazine really quickly, they could just do that. <laughs> I don't know if magazines still, so, but but and that only how much? Yeah, that that sounds yeah, like actually slower than just writing stories. Yeah, like, I feel like it'd be you faster know, just to there write might, a story about Mikel Landa being like, I think I'll do good at the Volta. I feel there might be a reason that team. it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, the opportunity is is there, I guess is what I'm saying, to buy and sell um, media pieces and opinions. Uh, a free-flowing market there. Um, and outside is doing just that, buying up all the... All the hot properties in uh, at least American um, facing cycling sites and uh, outlets. If it was an industry that mattered, the FTC would be all over this saying that one company can't own that many media outlets, right? Well, Rupert Murdoch could probably laugh if he heard (laughs) you say that. It would seem. it It is a chunk of it, I guess, there. They're given uh, maybe this. This is like a compliment. This is the FTC giving us a compliment. Yeah, they're like the slow ride podcast is so powerful uh, in their opinions that uh, we mm-hmm. we are not even we are not even threatened by by this large company spending millions of billions of dollars on other uh, companies. You know? What a what a wonderful I mean, world we live in, right? 
So watch out for all that specialized content that's going to be slammed down your throat from all those. That's yeah. That's that's the worry, right? Is that uh, you're going to see these reviews coming through and. The whole thing is built on the integrity of of the reviewer, right? And I like to think that these guys are still going to do the right thing. But when I see, uh, not necessarily slagging other brands, but when I see a specialized review come through, I'm going to raise an eyebrow and be like, "Eh, that bike as vertically compliant as they said it is. Uh, they, or laterally did they take stiff. Point 0.1 centimeter off that vertical vertical compliance. No, I yeah. agree. They, I, uh, they've round that gram number down. Yeah, it. I yeah. I feel like there's a lot of reviewers at uh, some of those publications. I do. I do think are do do good work. Um, but it does. It's it does make the line between uh, infomercial and review a little fuzzier. Yeah. It's it it was just crazy to think that now everybody like I remember it was a big deal when Pink Bike bought cycling tips. I was pretty I was stoked. Yeah. Um I think cycling tips and pink bike do great work. And now everything pushed together, mm-hmm. you're like, ooh. <laughs> Whoa. Um interesting. So here's what I want though. When am I gonna see Lance on a specialized? I need it. I need it. I want it. <laughs> I need it so bad, man. Show me it. I mean, like, when am I gonna see it? You know? Ugh. Something we all awesome. want to see. <laughs> Certainly. So, guys, um, one more topic I think we need to discuss uh, coming out of Tour de France um, is the old men still have it when it comes to uh, Chris Froome and <laughs> Philippe Gilbert um, being top-notch individuals in saving people falling off the side of roads and cliffs. Yeah, so... In a scenario that I could see happening if the three of us were to visit the Tour de France, watch a stage, and then try to descend our bikes down after the stage, uh, after our heroes had gone by, Um, somebody crashed over a guardrail and fell 20 meters down the side of a mountain. Uh, And lo and behold, Philip Gilbert, Chris Froome, and, and Jewel Jensen all stopped to help get this person out. And that is a, it's a wild scenario in so many different ways and uh, pretty, pretty rad um, that they didn't just say, huh, and keep riding. <laughs> that they weren't like, like oh. every rider that we came across this, uh, you know, weekend, that's like two, two into the intervals to a wave. And here's a actual Tour de yeah. France heroes, mm-hmm. winners. Um, now here's the question. Did the guy purposefully crash over the guardrail so that he could get the once in a lifetime interaction with Chris Froome and Philippe Gilbert? Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah, uh, you're not going to beat that. And I guess there's always a possibility. A real but dedication I'm going to go with a yeah. no on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, if anyone's, I mean, because me, well, one of those guys. It is. Yeah, I mean, what happens if you go over the bars and you go over the guardrail and you fall down the mountain and then, you know, Jurij Sagan rescues you or something and you're like, oh. And, you know, hey, I know your brother. Okay, um, so aren't you an Olympian? What do you do? <laughs> Two-time Olympian well, Jurij Sagan? Here's, here's the question. is You're hanging off a cliff and a hand uh-huh. comes down and you reach up uh-huh. and it's Johnny Moscon. What do you do? <laughs> do you wait? Do you yell, Froom! Froom! No, no. Are you up yeah. there? 
Johnny. Not you. <laughs> Johnny, go away. Johnny, go away. I'm waiting for somebody else. Or do you take that hand, I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Maybe question. Do you wave much. at Johnny Viscone if you see him out on the road? Well, yeah. if you're... Uh, <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this, Tim, because uh, if 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 you're Quinn Simmons, you might not get some waves, is what I heard mm-hmm. uh, was going on over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard that too. Speaking of the wave conundrum, longtime listener and friend uh-huh. of the podcast, Derek Lewis, has told us about the difficulty of waving to all the cyclists in Manhattan, in particular on the West Side Trail um, of Manhattan mm-hmm. when he's coming down from his house to go to work in uh, lower Manhattan, he would claim that it was impossible to wave at all of the cyclists because if you did that, you would be not riding very safely because you would never have two hands on your handlebars. There's so many cyclists. I would say I am shocked. Now, I know I've come to the Twin Cities in the middle of July. Spencer, the weather is fantastic. This is how they milk <laughs> you in. They, you think you want to move back because you. of the two weeks in July that you come here. Mm-hmm. Um the amount of cyclists here, it's kind of annoying to wave at all of them for how many are out there. Like the sheer amount. In Orlando, there's a, there's a couple of weirdos, right? We're weirdos if we're riding bikes. Here, it's kind of a lifestyle thing. And you, you wave at all of them because you tell us to do that at the end of every podcast, Spencer. Um, but I was my arms were starting to get a little tired. I've... I've- I've also told you, and I've told Derek, and I've told all of our thousands of listeners that uh, you're waving, if you're waving, like, as you're riding to the grocery store to everybody in the bike path, like, you're doing it wrong. Like, you don't, that is not applicable. You're you're in a place where bike commuting happens. Like, that's normal. It's when you pass somebody out on a ride, when you're actually on a ride. Mm. And you're out there and you see somebody and you're both doing the thing with the bikes and the spandex and all that. You know, you acknowledge it because you're, you're, you're part of the same team. Right. And it's when somebody is out there 20 miles into their ride away from town, probably don't have cell reception and you wave at somebody and they just give you a blank stare back. That's painful. It is painful. Now, I like to if, wave as a commuter too, though. Fellow commuter to fellow commu- commuter, you know. Fellow, well, that's, fellow that's fine. Shopper to grocery store shopper, you know, so. If you're in a weird spot, yeah, but I'm just saying if you're on the west side path or whatever in Manhattan and there's yeah, 5,000 yeah, cyclists, yeah. don't be stupid. Come <laughs> no, on. That's true. You're just But if it's like two two people passing on 37th on the way to the co-op here, right, I'm going to wave. I'm going to do it. Maybe well, I'm the only I don't one. know what weird weird movie you just wrote, um, but you know, it's called co-op. Uh, it's great. You do you. What a, I'm I'm all for wave. Wave as much as you want, but don't complain about it if you're trying to wave to literally thousands of people Tim's, on the busiest Tim's path. Tim's just Come a little on. story because we had a couple arrow helmets not wave at us. Today. I the the, the, the uh, <laughs> we had a lot of friendly folks, but the arrow we had some arrow helmets out there who I were not. I think the lack of waving the finger. The ratio of lack of waves to arrow helmet is pretty high. I think if you're wearing an arrow helmet, you're probably not going to be waving. Um, it's a lot of correlation. Yes, for correlation. Sure. Yeah, um, not causation. I got to think um, the the arrow market helmet probably took a big hit this Tour de France with uh, the popularity of Pogacar's little tufts of hair poking through. Yeah, and uh, how that that is 
That is a throwback thing that um, I feel got left on the wayside a few years back, and and hopefully it is here to stay again. Vingard was doing it too a little bit, and so I mean the mm-hmm. kids, the kids are all about the toughs. But only one mm-hmm. is winning. And stages. I'm sure. Well, yeah, well, the other one only finished second place overall. But I'm sure if we, I haven't drilled down into all the photos we got of Lachlan, uh, but I'm sure there's some hair sticking out there too. So. Uh, all signs are pointing for um, unarrow helmets mm. to come back as people remember what it's like to not uh, get heat stroke mm-hmm. at the end of a ride and how great it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is one fad I'm ready to do, like, see away is the old arrow helmet. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, with that, we come to the end of yet another Slow Ride podcast. 353 episodes in, still like we started yesterday. Hopefully the sound quality was a little bit better, <laughs> but I'm willing to bet my microphone was still a little hot, like episode one. And with that, I'd Possibly. like to thank all the listeners and supporters of independent cycling media over at the wideanglepodium.com. Take a moment, open it up, see what we have, and become a member and a supporter of the Wide Angle Podium Network. And this is Tim in Mini- St. Paul, Minnesota. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. TJ Van Garner, Mitch oh. Docker, Lachlan. How could we not? Wow. What an episode. That was amazing. When that one person said that thing and then the other person totally like set them straight. Oh, man, that was great. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. But hey, since I have your attention now, hello, cyclocross friends, new friends and old friends and soon to be friends. My name's Bill. I host another show on the Wide Angle Podium podcast network. It's called Cyclocross Radio, and we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon to be stars in cyclocross. We also have a panel discussion we call the Media Pit with my buddy Zach and Michael, where we go over all of the new rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to WideAnglePodium.com, become a member there, then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Cyclocross Radio. Do it. Do it now cyclocross friends.